Welcome to another episode of There is a System to this Madness podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Today is November 8th. As promised, I was going to try to hold out to do another podcast with the hope that a winner would have been announced. I figured that would have been probably Monday or Tuesday or something like that. However, they announced yesterday, Saturday, November 7th, that Joe Biden is now president-elect Joe Biden. Ironically, it was stated that it was 48 years ago to the date that he first ran or was elected to Congress. And after, I think, four, four attempts at running for the office of presidency, on that date, they announced that he is now the 46th president of the United States, which, in my opinion, that is simply amazing. And the thing about Joe Biden, he's in the... You could say he's in the category of Barack Obama. He's in the category of Bill Clinton, Jimmy Carter. Pretty much a typical Democrat president. They they rose up through their work and efforts. They rose up with going out, demonstrating to people their morals, their values their personal lives. They weren't born with the last name Bush or Trump. I would even go as far, even the name Kennedy. Though Kennedy was Democrat, but still. They didn't, they didn't have this. They didn't have those resources. They they pretty much did it the old-fashioned way. They rose up. You know, Congress uh, elected uh, some type of city official. I mean, they just, they did it the way it was designed to be done. Not just jumping from nowhere and becoming, you know, president, or in some cases, governor, then president. No, that's too, that's too much of a leap without gaining knowledge and insight. But that's, that's the difference between money and resources versus an individual that has to start from scratch. And without a doubt, it's not a coincidence that these individuals that come from these backgrounds are, they, they, they have a better connection with the people. I mean, think about it. And this is not to take anything away from Joe Biden's accomplishment. But I guess for me, the surreal aspect of the election is the fact that Kamala Harris 
is the first woman to not only be vice president, she is the first woman of color. And as you know, she's a descendant of a Jamaican father and an Indian mother. You know, raised by a single mother, educated at a historical black college. I mean, Obama reflected us in terms of the possibilities of what we could become. However, there were, there was, a, you know, that he, he self-made. I'm not taking, I don't want to take anything away from Barack Obama because his story is incredible. But once he got on that path, he was kept on that path. You know, Columbia, um, Harvard, Harvard Law Reviews, prestige um, internships. I mean, it, w it, was, it was laid out for him. He had to earn it. Don't get me wrong. I'm, taking, I'm not taking nothing away from President Barack Obama. He earned everything he got. But when I look at Kamala Harris, you know, a single mother, you know, the whole rising up the ranks in California, district attorney in San Francisco, the state of California, United States Senator, and now she's Vice President of the United States. And I mean, let's be real, on if everything plays out properly, in my opinion, she's she's president in training. You know, you know, there's stories that Joe Biden is only gonna do one term, you know, I don't know how that, you know, once you get a taste of that power, his health is good. Joe Biden might surprise everybody and say, hey, you know what? I'm at 82, 83 years old. <laughs> you know what? I want another. I want to keep I want to keep this train rolling. You know, and Kamala Harris, you know, she's young. I mean, if that's what happened, it was, it's what happened. But let's say, you know, the plan is that he's going to do four years and she's going to take over. And you got to realize, you know, if if Joe Biden was to call me and ask me my views in regards to the direction he should go in. I mean, this term. Not to downplay it, saying that he got an easy job ahead, but it's really almost the mindset that this term is more set up in regards to don't mess it up. All he got to do is just take steps, take careful steps. The, the biggest thing he has to really do right now is reestablish the relationship of the United States with the world. And you know, so ironic that um, countries, Europe and Germany, they reached out Congratulations, but it's ironic that China and Russia, you haven't heard a peep out of them.
Because so, you, know, you know what type of game this is. But the thing is, all Joe Biden got to do is just basically reach out to these countries, reestablish, almost undo all the things that Donald Trump undid from Barack Obama, put these things back in place. Yes, without the control of the Senate, some of these things are going to be difficult. But, I mean, if these things are solid, foolproof ideas and these senators don't, don't want to go along with the betterment of this country, that's what the midterms for. You know, somebody like Mitch McConnell say something like, well, our goal is to make Joe Biden a one-term president. And I guess, you know, he'll probably go as far to say, and to disrupt Kamala Harris' um, presidency opportunities. That's what, I mean, that's what, that's what they're thinking. But if I was Joe Biden, the first thing is, and I, I think I said this in the last podcast, get your team together. It's almost like, yeah, okay, take a week, celebrate, let it marinate, you know, come down off your rush. But you really got to go to work. But at the same time, the work is almost like a common sense path. It's one thing to say, I got to put this together and I don't know what steps. The steps are there. It's really there. Put the best medical team together that can fight the coronavirus and have independent minds that will not have some type of cloud over them. Get the best, don't have individuals that are there to capitulate the American people and bow down to the president who downplayed the virus for so long, the whole time, still to this day. Get that team together. Another thing, jobs. Put jobs in place. Go back to, and, and you know, and I'm not trying to say Joe Biden should ride on the coattail of President Obama. But there were a number of ideals that President Obama had that just simply weren't put into play because he was dealing with a Republican Congress, House and Senate at the time. And a lot of this, even when it went to the state level, where the Republican governors flat out just rejected these ideals because they focused on the skin color of the president versus the ideals of this president. One of the things that will probably just get this country stimulated is focus on infrastructure. Just put money out there to just get the highways and the bridges reestablished. This is something that 
Barack Obama pushed for. And it, it was a beautiful, perfect idea. And these dumbasses in Congress, these dumbass Republican governors refused to take the money. Now, in some of them, like in Georgia, where they waited till Obama was in his last months in office, then they started taking the money so that they could give credit to their president. That's why a lot of stuff that Donald Trump accomplished in his four years, it overflowed from the Obama administration. And even then, Donald Trump fucked it up. So if Joe Biden can start these initiatives, one of the surefire way is to get the infrastructure. Construction, highway, bridges, anything that would just promote transportation, anything that would promote the building of companies, or even just the concept of how the virus has changed how we work. Give companies incentives if they are starting to have things like telemarketing, telehealth, give incentives to individuals that work at home and they need computer setups. You know, I know like, you know, in some states, again, like Georgia, where they had tax-free days and stuff like that. And it was, you know, connected to the school year. But have situations where you have tax-free days for computer devices where individuals can utilize new laptop, new updates on software, hardware, so that they can work remotely at home and give them incentives, incentives from the company level to the individual levels. Promote people with the idea of having initiatives of starting their own businesses. Make the loans, make guaranteed bank loans that would force the banks to give people the capital so that they can get started on that idea of starting their own business. You know, there's so much stuff where you, whether you sell stuff from Amazon, eBay, you know, I know a woman, she builds reefs, door reefs. I mean, these, these are people that once upon a time, they were working nine to five and things changed and they didn't just lay down. They didn't just say, well, I'm going to rely on unemployment and I'm not knocking people that do that. But that's not going to last. They, you know, when you got people fighting over whether or not you should get this amount and get that amount, that's bullshit. Go get your own up. Let me, I'm going to share a story. Like most of you know, I'm a um, clinician. My title is... Um, 
uh, what I've called case management, paraprofessional. Um, pretty much, I'm like a non-licensed therapist. One of the things that I do, I teach individual skills, skills that would help them to live with their diagnosis. I link them to community resources that would help them to work through their diagnosis. I have a client. They were born with cerebral palsy. However, they want to work. But because of the physical condition of their cerebral palsy, it's virtually difficult. Now, there are some companies that favor individuals with disabilities. Publix is one. Goodwill is one. We have the Tommy Nobis Center, the Bobby Dodd Center that train individuals to work through their disabilities. This individual applied for jobs. I helped this individual apply for jobs from this place, that place. When I was in the hospital, this individual made me a beaded bracelet. And it's so funny because I have bought a bracelet that basically indicates that I take blood thinners. This person made me a bracelet that said blood thinners, but they felt that the one that I had was so small, because of course I was trying to be discreet about it. They wanted one that they wanted to make sure that it wasn't missed. So they made a beaded bracelet with big letters. I th then I started thinking, this is, this is your niche. We went on Amazon, ordered a bead making kit, came to the conclusion, you know, gave her, excuse me, gave them a quick outline on the profit, the profit margin is, you know, explain to them that this is not difficult. Yes, you look at corporate 500 companies and you say to yourself, oh, wow, it takes a lot to do this. No, it does not. It's simple. You make a product. You sell the product. People pay you for the product. You take the money and you reinvest in the business. Whatever's left over, that's your profit. It's the same thing. If bead making kit costs, say, $25, and you can make 20 bracelets with this kit, and you sell the bracelets for $10 a piece, you made $200, which gives you a profit of $175. Now, of course, you take the $175 and you buy you some more beads. And it keeps going and going and going. And ironically, when we came up with this concept, it was right, it was right after the death of Kobe Bryant. And I tried to explain to them that you have to 
keep up with, with what is going on around you. The death of Kobe Bryant was traumatic to a lot of individuals. I'm like, what if you just take the time to make bracelets that honor him? And then you move forward. We got the COVID virus. You know, make more bracelets about people being aware. Now we're in the political aspect. Make bracelets for individuals to show their support for the candidates. Make bracelets show their support for your sports team. I'm like, it's, it's never ending. You can keep going and going and going. And that is what this individual did. And we're talking about a person with cerebral palsy. Now they're branching out. They want to make certain home decor because they've been inspired. That entrepreneurship bug has bit them. And now it's like they can't get enough. It's the same mentality. But what if there are what if incentives incentives are put in place on a federal government level? The same thing with the uh, you know the PPE checks that were going out. This this was the purpose. Of course, you know, we got individuals, they doing dumb shit with the money, but the intention was good. You know, put don't just do away with it. Tweak it. Put the restrictions. Make make it stand. And see this, you know, there's a saying that how Republicans, Republicans, when it comes to Republicans and Democrats, when it comes to giving money, it's like Democrats are willing to give more money, but they put more strings attached to it. Republicans are less inclined to give money, but when they give it, it's almost they just throw it out the window. It's it's got to be a little bit of both. You just can't shut it down because people abuse it. To me, if everybody got into the concept of being an entrepreneur mindset, contracting, this country would be 10 times better. What a country this would be if, oh my gosh, I, and I know it's a dream world, but what if 50% of all individuals in this country were in some form or fashion self-employed? entrepreneurs, contractors, whatever. What if, I mean, it's, it would be a drastic change. Like, that's almost like saying, what if everybody started using DoorDash instead of going to restaurants? Of course, the brick and mortar buildings, they're going to suffer. But the individuals that are the waiters in the brick and mortar buildings, if that's what they want to stay in that field, would then connect with the DoorDash group 
and become contractors. You know, so yes, it's it's just like I always thought, what if everybody started a podcast? Or even like, you know, 25, 30% of the population start a podcast. And you had a podcast for every opinion, every view, every idea. And everybody was just expressing. People were like, oh, you'll be overwhelmed. No, you'll be informed. It's just, there's no such thing as, in my opinion, there's no such thing as too much information. To me, this is the world that we can move towards. A world of expression. A world of Everybody working together, not a world where a person promotes hate and bigotry and pushing people back to their country and the country is hostile, murderous towards them or taking action to keep people from coming over. By taking their children away from them. You know this. When you think back. There was some sick shit. That we endured. That we allowed. And you know. Since we on that. One of the things that do bother me. About. This election. And you know not the. I guess. Be the sour grape. I cannot get over how close this election was. I really, I really predicted that Joe Biden was going to win by a landslide. Now, a lot of people are saying from the, in fact, from what I've been hearing, Joe Biden, they still tallying up the votes, but they're saying so far he has received more votes than Barack, Barack Obama did during his two campaigns more than Hillary did, Hillary Clinton did and also his electoral college numbers or I don't I, I want to say for a democrat it definitely said the most but it's like when you look at the numbers the actual head to head Vote count. Something just, I don't, I don't get it. Something, something just not right. And if you look at the numbers, Donald Trump, without a doubt, he received more votes this time than he did four years ago. Because I believe that those individuals, like those militias, all uh, college, or excuse me, high school dropouts that he is the king of, uh, they were to galvanize. They jumped on that bandwagon. But it's just something, those numbers to me, they just, they're too close. And it's almost like we're close to being 50-50 from a love-hate point of view in this country. It's like we're, it's almost like we're teeter tottering back and forth from uh, 
racism and bigotry to respect and love. And that just, that's just, it's like, how do you increase that gap? Because even like listening to the Trump supporters, I think the biggest issue that they can't deal with is the fact that they were outvoted. They have the mindset that out of the 350 million plus Americans, that they have the belief that they are the majority. And in 2016, I had the mindset that, yes, a number of people sat on their hands when Hillary Clinton ran, but this wasn't the out view of this country. It was just that the Democrats were outmaneuvered. But when I look at some of these numbers and you just see all these red states and you're like, this, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot. And it just makes me have concern that is it that much hate in this country? Did he, did he really unleash and gave these people this belief that they could just express and spew out this type of hate? And see, this, this to me, this is what you call a pirate victory. It's like you won but something major was lost. Something major was realized during this election. And it's like you just, you, you looking at the victory, but you're like, it's, it's, it's almost like back when farmers had floods and they could take the water and redirect the water to keep it from flooding their farm and their farm is safe but not realizing that they redirected the water and it washed out their neighbor's farm you know it's just it's like yes celebrate now but we still Got to look, because even like, you know, I know it's another thing, and I, you know, people keep saying, Georgia's blue. Georgia's blue. When I came to Georgia back in 1994, Georgia was blue. Zell Miller was governor. We had two senators that were Democrats. Uh, I think the state house was Democrat. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it was a blue state. And then, I want to say pretty much after 2000, 9-11, Georgia, I mean, it changed overnight. You know, poor Roy Barnes, he tried to change the flag, take the Confederate symbol off, they put him out of office. Max Cleland, he wouldn't endorse the homeland bill. 
So they called him, you know, Vietnam veteran, double amputee, leg-wise, triple amputee, both his legs and his arm. During the Vietnam War, they said he wasn't patriotic because he didn't want to sign on to the Homeland Bill because the Homeland Bill stripped the rights of union workers. But they won on this. And, and now... Georgia, despite the fact that it won, it, you know, they, it won the presidency, people are saying Georgia's blue. But yet, we have two Senate races that have gone to a runoff. So I'm thinking if all of those blue votes were for Biden, what happened to those votes being cast for the Democrat senators, because the same, it's the same, it's the same national level or state level, excuse me. So I don't, I don't get it. And see, to me, this is, this is the result of the lack of voter education, because the the math don't even add up. You in a polling booth, you vote for. Biden, and I, you know, don't get me wrong, it's, there's no rule saying that you vote for Biden, that you do have to vote for a Democrat candidate. But the average individual, when they get in that voting booth, they usually go straight down. When you look at the results and neither Neither candidate gets, I mean, in one, I think David, David Perdue, who was the sitting senator, at one point on Tuesday, they had him, you know, he won. Then when the votes came in, it pulled him down. And his um, opponent, um, I, I know I'm going to mess the name up, John Oslett. He pretty much, he came back. He forced a runoff. Same thing. In the other election, I don't even think none of them got 30%. And that Senator uh, Warnack, he was the only Democrat. The incumbent, I don't know what that lady name is, but she's an idiot. But either way, she was running against, she was running along with another Republican opponent on the ticket. And he split the vote, took votes from her. And he, and Warnack still didn't win. So when people say Georgia's blue, no, Georgia's not blue. Georgia just won, or I ain't going to say won. Georgia voted more for Joe Biden. But when people saying Georgia's blue, no, Georgia's not blue. I can't even say Georgia's, I can't even say Georgia's purple. Because come, I think, I think January 8th is when we have our runoff. We're going we to show you. They're going to show you how blue Georgia really is. You're gonna see it's gonna it's gonna bring them right back to reality. Now, can 
Can Georgia pull it out? And of course, if they can get these two seats, I think, um, I, well, I think there are other um, results that have not been fully officially tallied. But it's believed that it's going to come down to the Georgia election. And if they can get these two seats, they going the Democrats will control the Senate. Just like that. And see, to get people to come out and see, this is when you say, like you you look at a situation like that. Okay. The African American population, more likely, it's like 95%, they're gonna vote Democrat. Okay. The white population in Georgia is almost like a 60-40 split in regards to Republican. But if you took the African-American 95 and the 40% of the white residents, these Democrat Senate candidates, they should win. They should win. It's, I'm trying to think how they didn't win this time. But everybody's saying Georgia is blue. So, of course, it's, it's not done for us. We got, wow, we got basically two more months of this to, to deal with. But anyway, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, I've always said what's going to be interesting is Donald Trump for the next two months. I still am holding to my forecast. I do not believe Donald Trump will be at the inauguration in January. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen to him. But you could tell when they showed that picture of him on the golf course, dude was playing golf while they tallying up the votes. And he found out that they gave Pennsylvania to Joe Biden on the golf course. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, if I could have been a fly I'm on, a, on a golf club yesterday, I would have loved to get that view. But anyway, this has been another episode of There's a System to This Madness podcast. I am Osaze Shabazz. As always, please, I would love to hear your opinions. I would love to hear your questions, your agreements, your disagreements. I would love to hear it. Until next time, be safe, take care. God bless.